0: We don't always have the energy like or the mental capacity to, to constantly give everything, but I think it's about when you do have that time, that it's quality time. Welcome to Talking in Common, a podcast of all things lifestyle, family, relationships, well-being, kids, and culture. This is not a how-to, but an insight into the lives of ourselves and others and how we all manage to get by. Hosted by myself, Kate Kudinski, and my co-host, Sophie Panton. Take a listen and let's find out what we all have in common.
1: Hi, beautiful Kate. How are you today? I'm flat. I love your honesty. I'm flat too. Look at my face. Do I look sad? No, you look beautiful. But I feel you. Ah, oh,
0: thanks, babe. And I'm
1: glad that you gave an honest answer because don't you think sometimes how are you as a greeting, like in our culture is just such like a unloaded question no one's asking how you actually are it's just like how are you good how are you good
0: you've just been polite most of the time yeah so
1: (laughs) I applaud your honesty why are
0: you feeling flat well I think all of the obvious let's go straight into what we have in common which is we are yet again in another Victorian lockdown number six Mm,
1: let's cross over
0: 200 days in lockdown has it been yep far out no wonder we're all feeling flat I think I'm just like everybody else, I'm sure, feeling exhausted, over it. Mm. That's it. (laughs) Fatigued. Very fatigued.
1: Fatigued, frustrated. I saw this article on on the news the other night that we're entering the fury stage of lockdown. (laughs) The angry fury stage. It's getting really
0: angry. Yeah, which is kind of
1: a bit of a scary prospect because, you know, I don't want it to turn into rebellion on the streets and all that (laughs) crazy stuff. But it's kind of where we're getting at. Like it's just going on and on and on. But anyway, what a boring conversation. Let's not talk about lockdown, but you're quite right. It is what we've got in common, much like the rest of our state and a lot of the country at the moment, to be honest. So sending all our love all around Australia. We will get through this. We can get through this. But, yeah, I'll be honest. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, I know. I'll be honest as well. I've really struggled this time. My anxiety that I used to very much have at bay is more prevalent than ever for me and I'm struggling. It's not good, is it? Yeah. So, you know, our thoughts are with everyone out there and, yeah, we can get through this.
0: Let's move along now because I'm feeling even more depressed. (laughs) Oh, I'll
1: tell you what's more exciting. You'll be happy about this. Good. Hit me with it. I finally, I finally tried my vagina mask. Oh, about
0: time. Do you know what's tell funny? Tell me, I want to hear all about it.
1: We did like a little question on Instagram, remember, asking who wants to hear more about it because we were like, as if anyone's going to to listen to us talk about that after we did in our couple of episodes ago. And like 100% of the results were, yes, they want to know more about <laughs> it. All right, so here I am to tell did you. Did you take some pickies then? Oh, babe, come on. Our our social (laughs) media account's got to be somewhat PG. Uh, Nobody wants to see that. Um, (laughs) But I gave it a shot last night, and here's my review. It's exactly like a face sheet mask, but it's obviously designed for down there. It is big. (laughs) The sheet mask is big, like you were saying last time. It was soothing. It was cool. It felt nice. It was good. (laughs) But I felt like it was kind of pointless. Yeah. You're not rushing out to
0: buy a six pack.
1: <laughs> I'm not going to be doing that as like a weekly self-care routine. Let's just put it that way. But I'll tell you what I did think. I did think of two things. One of them was like, you made a really good point last time when we talked about it, which was, you know, is this just another product in the beauty market that is making us feel like another area of our body should be more perfect than it is? And that was a really good point.
0: Like we don't have enough to worry about.
1: Yeah. And the other thing was I do feel like something like this would be so nice after childbirth or after maybe having a rampant sexual weekend, I don't know, when you're feeling a little (laughs) in in need down there.
0: Damn, I wish I had some more for this weekend. Oh, babe, you've got a big one planned. Um, It would be nice after childbirth actually. I think it would be very soothing. Mm. So did you have sex after you put it on? Oh, babe, come on.
1: (laughs) Sacred space. No, Aiden wasn't home actually because I thought I better do this before he gets home because otherwise it's not going to last long. You know how those things go. (laughs) Anyway, oversharing.
0: Didn't last long for me. Oh, yeah. Okay,
1: babe. Keep it to yourself.
0: Now. Let's move on.
1: So today we are going to talk all about what we've labelled the dreaded mum guilt It's something that we talk about amongst our circles and amongst our friends all the time. Like I can honestly say I haven't met a mum that hasn't said that they've experienced it. So it's so prevalent and we want to talk about why and how it shows up for everyone, how it shows up for us, how we experience it, you know, our thoughts on it and hopefully some sort of comfort comes out of sharing it because it can be really sort of harmful and stressful if you don't sort of keep it at bay.
0: Well, let's start with, so if we're going to talk about mum guilt, that constant feeling of not doing enough as a parent. I know that you feel this way. I feel this way. So many of our listeners have told us that they feel this way. And I think it can come from many factors, you know, obviously personal insecurities, outside pressures from family, friends. But I think one of the biggest ones is definitely social media comparing yeah just constantly comparing and i think it's a really dangerous thing for our mental well-being so would you say that that's the main reason that it impacts you
1: or shows up for you uh
0: if I was to think about like the main things that I feel guilty about as a mum, I wouldn't say it's what I look at on social media. So maybe it's like an unconscious thing that's in the back of my mind because we're always scrolling and looking and and seeing things that other people are doing, all these pictures that they're painting online of, you know, perfect lives, like the way you should be feeding your children, the way you should be playing, dressing, the way you should look as a mum, all these different things. So maybe in the back of my mind, but I'll give you a good example for me. Not wanting to talk about COVID again, but this week in particular, you know, I've been homeschooling with Nina and she is not loving the homeschooling. Like none of the kids are. And I can see she's so emotional. I think she's having a really hard time just understanding everything that's going on. And I feel guilty every single night and all through the day. I feel sick that I can't make it better for her. And I know that this is not normal. This is not normal, the situation we're living in. But I feel so guilty and I'm trying to do all these little things, but it's completely out of my control. I also feel guilty that, yes, I'm lucky her first year of school is this year and we didn't have it last year as well. But I also feel guilty that that's how she has to have her first year of prep. That's how she has to learn. I feel like, and I can't do anything about it. And then I feel guilty that I'm not doing enough stuff with her once she's finished homeschooling and being, like, present enough and playing with her and trying to make it all joyful because we're trying to do a million other things that need to be done.
1: It's pretty heavy and it's very constant. I think the thing with mum guilt that I've kind of been thinking about recently is that it starts before you even have a child. It starts when you're pregnant. (laughs) Did you experience that? Like, when I was pregnant, I was like... I'm not nurturing myself enough. I'm not giving myself enough nutrients for the baby. I'm not resting enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. You know, have I done the right tests to check the baby's okay? I'm like, And that was a weird experience. I should be doing this. Yeah, I should be doing this. And, you know, we all know when you're pregnant, most people feel a little bit average. So to be putting those pressures on yourself at that stage before the child is even born is one of those things that like is such a – big part of motherhood and parenting but also one of those things that obviously no one really talks about because everyone experiences it so differently but don't you think it's one of those examples that like this is going to be a huge part of your motherhood experience but it's not something that you're going to be warned about or that you're going to talk about because I don't know why actually we don't talk about it but we don't and so it's one of those things that pops up like wow okay this is real and I hadn't considered this as part of my experience. So this is kind of full on. The sad thing about it is that whilst we're feeling guilty about maybe not being the type of mother that we want to be for our children, it is actually distracting us from being fully present with them. So it's like a really double-edged sword.
0: But hang on a second. Can I ask you a question? When you just said about feeling guilty about not maybe not being the type of mother that we want to be, or we think we should be for our children, are we only thinking that because other people are making us feel like we should mm. be behaving or acting in a different way or mothering in a different way? No, or is that you're because, exactly right. Like, we truly feel that we could be better?
1: It's 100% external pressures influencing these feelings. The way it shows up for me personally is that whenever I do something or make a choice to do something for myself, that's when I feel guilty. I don't feel guilty that I'm not a good enough mother or that I'm not doing the right things for honey or that I'm not giving honey enough attention or something for me it's if I ever choose something for myself is when I feel guilty which is whether it's to take myself to do exercise or um, take myself for a walk just to have a bit of a moment to myself like go and have a quiet bath even working I look at it as well that's a choice for you personally and that's taking you away from your child so I feel guilty about that.
0: I think that exactly what you just said, like I definitely feel that as well and I know we've got a lot of our friends that have said that they also feel the same way. It's an interesting one because I feel like when we give ourselves the approval, I guess, to take care of ourselves, whether it's as simple as going for a walk alone or having a massage or listening to a podcast, taking a bath, whatever it might be, it's so important for us as an individual, for our well-being, our mental sanity and I find when I give myself that time that I actually... I think I do anyway. I think I parent better. Absolutely. I think I'm a better wife. Like I think I'm more mindful towards my, 100%. my life when I give myself that time. But we make these excuses like I shouldn't do that because I'll be gone for too long or like I should be here doing this with the kids or like, you know, I already did this the other day but... We know that, but we still continue to feel guilty about it. It's shit.
1: Yeah, it's so shit. So the point you were making about using the word expectation, I think you're exactly right. It comes from external expectation and it comes from the society that we live in today. And I was chatting to my mum about it the other day, you know, asking her, did you feel this way when you were a mum? And, you know, she made a few good points about ways that you just naturally do feel guilty as a mother for various reasons. But she also made it obvious to me again, that it was just a really different world that they were raising children in in their generation. And with so much more equal opportunity for women these days in our society that we live in, we're expected to do it all. And because of the opportunities that we have, the expectation is even heavier. I actually read a quote from a book called Forget Having It All by this author and journalist, Amy Westervelt. And it sort of sums up more of the working mum dilemma. She states that we expect women to work like they don't have children and raise children as if they don't work.
0: Fuck, it's hectic. It's so full on, like, yeah. (sighs) Anyway, we did ask some of our listeners about mum guilt, didn't we? We wanted to get some feedback from our listeners as to if they experience it, you know, what are some of the most common things that they feel guilty about? And we got some really great answers, or when I say really great, I think just really relatable answers, because I could relate to quite a lot of these and I'm sure you did as well, So, So should we go through some of them?
1: It was really like reassuring and comforting, but it, it was also quite shocking to me. I was like, far out. People really are in the deep of this. Like it is a real thing that we struggle with as mothers. But yeah, let's get into it. The first question that we asked was, are your mum who experiences mum guilt? And the answer was 100%. Percent of the feedback was yes, so that's pretty full on. Like I actually I expected that to be honest, but it's just still having that number in front of you. It's just like wow, yes, everybody is in this together. They are all experiencing the same thing. So like I said, some part of it's comfort, but some part of it's frightening. But yeah, not surprised. The other question we asked was how often do you experience it, and the most common answer
0: most common answer was daily. Do you experience it daily? I think I do, like even in small little ways. And another one like daily too and I often feel really guilty about is that I'm not kind of spreading myself out evenly between Nina and Lulu. Like I always feel if I do something with one of them that I need to do the same thing with the other in every circumstance, which is, I mean, that's not, that's not reality. It's not ideal because also I feel guilty that I had all this one-on-one time with Nina And then now I feel like I should be spending that time with Lulu while Nina's at school, but now Nina's not at school. She's getting homeschooled. (laughs) So,
1: yeah, I obviously haven't experienced that because I've only got one child, but that was a really common answer. How often do you experience it?
0: Is it just a part of motherhood? And the most common answer was yes. Do you think it needs to be so?
1: So I think naturally there are parts of it that are going to come up no matter what. It, it is just a part of it in some ways.
0: We want to do the best we can.
1: Yeah, but it's so persuasive that it's hard not to presume that it's just a natural part of mothering. Do You know what I mean? Like the way that your mind convinces yourself when you feel guilt or you feel shame or you feel something like that, it's so persuasive that it's impossible to think that there's any other way.
0: I was going to say especially because we are always using the language and everyone in our kind of society does, you know, I should be doing this, I should have done that and often what we have done is the right thing or choice but we always feel like it's not enough and ultimately like the decisions we make for our children on a daily basis like we undoubtedly feel are the best choice in that moment. Like, why would we make decisions for our kids that we don't think are the best choice? And then we go back later and we second guess ourselves and we think we've done the wrong thing. The mum shaming comes in because then we think that we're a bad mum. But, you know, and yes, I'm sure there's times where we could have made a better choice, but I always think in the moment we probably are making the right choice.
1: Yeah, I agree. But I do think it takes us to a discussion around like healthy and non-healthy guilt because there is a difference and, like any sort of negative emotion or negative feeling, you can definitely turn it into something positive by learning from that that emotion. And with guilt, I think is the same. The only example that I can think of off the top of my head right now is we were sitting outside having a meal with honey the other day and it was cold outside, but the sun was shining. So we were making the most of the sun. And after some time, I noticed that she was getting cold. She was sort of shivering and Looking cold, and throughout the time that was sitting out there, I, of course it had crossed my mind a couple of times, and I was like, oh, "I think she's, I think she's fine. I think she's fine." And then, of course, when I saw her shivering, straight away I felt so terrible. I felt so guilty for not protecting my child with warmth and clothing, you know. But also at the same time, trying to make the most of a nice opportunity to get some sunshine. But in saying that, I suppose I just sort of learned from that, like okay, she got cold. So learn from that from next time. And that's like the most simple example. But I think it's a good way of explaining that, you know, even the simple, silly things that we feel guilty about, you can, sometimes they are just healthy and you learn from them. But then there's other aspects of guilt, which is stuff that we can't control, like you were talking about earlier, or things that we shouldn't be feeling guilty about that is then the unhealthy part of it. And I think a lot of that part that is the unhealthy part is the comparison and that playing a role in what you're feeling guilty about.
0: I can think back to, and I know we've spoken about this before, but when – Lulu was a baby and I had issues with breastfeeding her. So I had to stop breastfeeding her like about six weeks in. And I already felt so guilty about that, that I couldn't do it, that it wasn't working, that I had to make this decision to just stop and in the long term it was the best decision for me, for my family, for everybody. But I already felt guilty enough, let alone having people be like, oh, aren't you breastfeeding? Oh, how long did you breastfeed for? I also had someone say, oh do you feed your baby? Like, what type of question is that? Of course I feed my baby. Like you're asking, do I breastfeed? And then just thinking back to our conversation that we had with the beautiful Bianca Burge from Plan B the other week, when she said, I think somebody said to her, did you try to breastfeed? Or did you even try to breastfeed or something? And she's like, far out. Like, what type of question is that? And then you feel even more guilty than what you felt in the first place because you're getting other people throwing their opinions and throwing their judgments at you.
1: Yeah, which is the perfect example of guilt that's unhealthy and unnecessary because someone else is making you feel a certain way whereas, you know, you may be comfortable with the decision you made or you may have come to terms with the decision you've made and that's all that matters, especially when it comes to something so deeply personal like your breastfeeding experience and that's a huge one that people talk about feeling guilty about. In doing a bit of light research on this topic, I read about this self-discrepancy theory and it's basically a theory that states that individuals compare their actual self to internalised standards or the ideal self. So it is kind of um, showing examples and inconsistencies between the actual and the ideal So there's this sort of like pull between what we feel we should be or what we should become and how this expectation is associated with like different emotional discomforts, I suppose, like fear or threat or restlessness or guilt. So it's exactly like that conversation that we're talking about, like having expectations within our own mind and where those expectations come from. And like we said, a lot of it is, external influence and social media but I just sort of thought like when I was reading about it I was like that's exactly the example of what kind of guilt is in motherhood you know the difference between how you see yourself as a mother and the type of mother that you want to be and then you know the actual reality of what you can do what you can put in what you're capable of what what you really want to give as a mother.
0: Well we sort of you know, we set our own expectations and then we compare ourselves to others whose expectations may be completely different to ours. And also, as you just sort of said, unrealistic for us, because we're all in completely different situations. We've got completely different kids. We're completely different people, different things going on. But, you know, as a result of this comparison, we then feel guilty, disappointed that we once again, aren't doing enough or the right thing, but we're doing what we can do. And, you know, as much as I feel guilty all the time, I I would like to think that I'm trying to be the best mum that I can. And like, let's not forget that we come from a place
1: of real privilege in our lives and our lifestyles. So we are providing an incredible upbringing from our children, just from the privilege that they're born into. And so the fact that we put pressures on ourselves in comparison to other people about how to be better or almost like striving for this perfection of motherhood
0: it's just so unnecessary like oh, I call bullshit <laughs> yeah yeah oh it's horrible I reckon I don't know if you ever speak with Aiden about this but often at night time like the kids will be in bed then like by the time we get into bed I'll end up like looking at pictures of them on my phone even though I'm exhausted and all day I've been like oh I can't wait to just chill and you know have them in bed then my husband and I look at photos oh they're so cute I should have done more today oh I wish I didn't like you know answer that phone call when I could have been doing this with Nina or and then my husband um, Mackie has said that often he feels really guilty when he's had to like discipline the kids or tell them off and I always say to him like no but you're doing the right thing like they need to learn like kids need to have boundaries like you're only ever doing that because they need to learn or they've done something wrong but then he feels really guilty about it and gets himself really worked up and is just like I'm not doing it anymore I'm not doing it anymore so
1: well that was one of the questions that we also put out to our community was that dad guilt and you know what other dads are feeling it out there and did you and Mackie talk about why he feels like that
0: like why he feels guilty
1: yeah about that particular example like disciplining them is there something that's causing that Well, I think when
0: you're disciplining your children or telling them off, like, they get upset and especially with the ages that they're at, like... So you make them upset and then you just feel bad? Yeah, I mean, not saying they get upset every time they get told off, but often if, you know, they do get in trouble, kids get upset and then he just feels guilty because he is a big softy and he loves just, like all dads, having fun with your kids and having a good time. He doesn't want to have to tell them off.
1: Nobody wants to be the one to upset the child. No.
0: And then he thinks I always make him be the disciplinary
1: Yeah, you do actually. I reckon you do. You're like, uh oh, the girls are in trouble. I'm going to hide. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of the questions that we put out, yeah, to our audience as well. We asked, you know, dads, do you feel the guilt as well? And the most common answer was, What you talking about? Meaning (laughs) that half the people are like yeah, I don't even know what you're talking about, which is interesting that you say that Mackie feels it, but we were sort of talking
0: about this the other day. I wonder if they were females that answered that question though. Well, there were. There was a few that were. Because I feel like a lot of our followers are, we do have a few males, but I feel like there's a lot of um, females. But I don't think it would be as common as mum good. I could be wrong. I don't want to say something I don't know, but I don't know if it would be as common as
1: mum did. Yeah, well, if we go by this result, then... Obviously it's not. The proof is in the pudding. (laughs) Yeah, the proof is in the pudding. Aidan and I had a discussion about it and you and I also had a discussion about this afterwards because I think it's really circumstantial. Like the situation that I'm in right now is that I'm the primary carer for Honey, I'm the one that's at home with her all day, every day and so therefore most of her day-to-day or my day-to-day responsibilities for her are all sort of on my shoulders and um, when I had a conversation with Aidan about it, he basically was like, what you talking about? I don't even – I think he's – I said, you experienced <laughs> dad? What you talking about? I said, do you experience dad guilt? And he was like, what's that? What do you mean? What's that? And I was like, all right, well, this conversation's done. I've got my answer, bye. Okay. <laughs> no, we got into it a little bit more. And he was explaining that he has heaviness or, you know, maybe guilt's not the right word but pressure and, um, yeah, heaviness around – different things it's not directly about the way he parents or directly about his relationship with honey that he feels guilty about he was sort of saying like you know my mind is more in providing for you guys and my confidence is fully trust you and your responsibility of looking after honey so that in my mind is sort of set aside and then my worries come from other places like supporting you providing for the family being a stable partner, you know, being a good dad, of course, all those sorts of things. But it just sort of, yeah, it goes to show that it's really circumstantial because obviously your situation's really different and Mackie feels it in different ways, given your circumstances.
0: Yeah. I don't know, like as well as they start to get, it's funny, like as they do start to get a bit older as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, he probably has more of a responsibility in terms of of like of parenting them and also he's at home a lot nowadays
0: I know since COVID he's literally not gone back to the office so he's here all the time yeah
1: so your parenting your discipline roles and your responsibility roles are probably a lot more equal in your household than they are in mine right now
0: yeah absolutely god actually COVID's been great for me in that regard yeah yeah (laughs) that we're all at home We're, we're both at home together so Why don't we go through some of our listener feedback on what is the most common thing that you feel guilty about?
1: Yeah, good idea. I wanted to go back to that. Let's read a couple of them out because it was really interesting.
0: So we did get a couple of times going anywhere without my kids, which is something that you and I spoke about earlier.
1: Mm, Yeah. The most common ones were uh, working, giving enough of yourself to them and what was the other most common Oh, sharing the love between siblings.
0: Yeah, sharing the love. And also we touched on before because I can definitely relate to that with my two girls, you know, always wanting to make sure that my love is evenly kind of spread out across the two of them and that they're both feeling that from me. What else was on here? Not having enough time to play and read as many books as they asked for. Oh, I always feel guilty at bedtime when my girls are like, one more book, one more book. And I'm like, we've already done one more book. Six times, like we're now gone from having one book to eight books. Like I don't, want I give you another book and then I don't do another book and then I feel guilty all the time. But there's, there's, a, there's a point where you have to stop.
1: Mm. I think everyone <sighs> feels guilty about that how much time and energy you give them just to play and have fun because, you know, there there is so much to get through every day. We're all busy. We've all got things going on. We're always thinking about the next thing. And children grow up so quickly, as we know, especially little ones, you know, the the time honestly is just so fleeting that I think that's just such a common thing, isn't it? Like we just all feel guilty about not giving them enough time. But I think as well, like it's it's a really good um point to reflect on because I think it's really important for kids to see realities realities of of their mom realities of their parents realities of life and that is that you know it can't always be a fun play fully engaged one-on-one happy times it, you know it's not always just happy happy joy joy life is life and sometimes we have negative reactions That sometimes we need to look at our phones sometimes we need to do other things that make us feel guilty about but that's just part of our life
0: yeah and we have to do it there's no other option
1: yeah and it's healthy for them to experience that sometimes as well right
0: absolutely and another thing I think which I should remind myself of this as I'm saying this but it's all about like the quality of time you spend with them rather than the quantity I think Not everyone can be at home with their kids like seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Not everyone has the time to sit down for hours on end and play with their kids. You know, oh, we don't always have the energy like or the mental capacity to to constantly give everything but I think it's about when you do have that time that it's quality time and I think that's what's the most important thing and they're the the things that the kids are going to remember, you know, not if you played with them for seven hours. (laughs) So... I think that is a good reminder, which I'm giving to myself.
1: Yeah, I think the example that you were giving about how Mackie felt, a lot of people said that as an answer too, getting angry at my kids, disciplining my kids, disciplining them too much. Yeah, there's a few of those. Yelling too much. Yeah, yelling. I think, again, this is an opportunity for kids to learn from your reactions and, you know, if you do – have a very reactive you know maybe angry response that you then regret or feel guilty about you actually have an opportunity to then show your kids what the right way to counteract that is you know and whether that needs to be apologizing or admitting that you're wrong or just admitting that you were at some fault like they're the lessons in life that kids need to learn so there's nothing wrong with that situation in my opinion.
0: Or even arguing with your partner in front of your kids and that's another thing like if we ever have an argument and it's in front of the kids, I feel like so guilty about that. But I think it's I think it's actually healthy for them to see that as long as they see that mm-hmm. it's healthy, it's okay to have an argument, it's okay to disagree as long as you both resolve it. Yeah, you resolve the argument in front of them. They can see that actually we're both fine, we're having a healthy discussion or argument and, and that's just what happens.
1: Mm. yeah I don't know if you've, yeah, no, if you've ever that. felt
0: that way like if you have had a disagreement or an argument in front of Honey yeah that is another one that I'm sure like a lot of mums and dads could would probably relate to well it's like a
1: huge reflective moment like I mean Honey is only 18 months old so when we have had disagreements in front of her a lot of the time it's sort of been like oh she's a baby she doesn't understand but she's definitely at the stage now where I mean even as babies they feel energy they understand yeah it's ignorant to think that they, they can't feel the energy that's going on but it's like such a reflective moment in early parenthood I think is when you have like your first argument in front of your child because the way that you approach that moment and approach that yeah incidence really shows the way you want to work on it or want to move forward with that sort of thing I don't know, I just remember the first time we did it, we were like, oh, don't talk about info. Oh, stop it. (laughs) She understands, you know. (laughs) Now it's like actually the way that we're speaking together, if it's not appropriate in front of our baby, then it's not appropriate to treat each other like that. So let's use this as reflection time and improve the way that we communicate and not feel guilty about it and just, yeah, like you said, treat it as a healthy, natural thing that, you know, kids should experience as well. A few of the other answers, yeah, working too much. making sure kids feel the same mum love, not having enough time to play, getting angry. Yeah, I think we've covered the most common answers. And yeah, there was a heap of women that said working too much, which definitely brings us back to the point of, you know, the society that we live in today and the expectations. And I suppose like, if that's such a common thing that people are feeling guilty about, I suppose you've got to ask yourself, like, what are the reasons that you're working and how much are you working? And, you know, whether that Financial benefit is worth it compared to the time it takes you away from your kids or the guilt that it's making you feel. Like, there's no doubt that a lot of mums out there have to work to contribute financially to their family, and that's that is what it is. But I'm just a very big believer in you know, you can create the life that you want. So, if you are in a position where maybe you don't have to work so much, or maybe you know, maybe you can change that situation, then I'm like just such a big believer that you can create the life that you need if that's what's causing your guilt and then, you know, make a change.
0: It's such a hard thing, isn't it? Because as you said, like some mums have no other option, like they have to work. And then also we've got to recognise like some mums just really want to work and they love it and they don't want to be at home with their kids 24 seven, and that's okay too, like that's fine. And I know, I think a friend was telling us the other week that she said that I think she actually like appreciates or is more excited to spend time with her kids now like since being back at full-time work. But then also like people people can flip it the other way and then make you feel guilty if you are at home with your kids like pretty much full-time, you know, like how – and some people will be like how can that be enjoyable or how would you want to spend so much time with your kids or, you know, like, oh, that sounds horrible. Like what do you do all day? It's like well, far out. You obviously haven't done it. <laughs> yeah you're doomed either way really yeah I completely agree with you about trying to find you know that balance
1: Mm. you just got to find what works for you and what you know what works for you in your life in your family and I think like actually this pandemic has had played a huge role in changing the evolution of the of our future society because now suddenly people look at the world differently the most obvious thing, my gosh, I can work
0: from home. I can make a change. So I can set more boundaries. Yeah. I was having a little bit of a think like personally myself because obviously we've been speaking about mum guilt the past couple of days leading into this episode of, you know, some different ways or things that I could do to kind of learn to cope with mum guilt a little bit better or tackle it.
1: Yeah. Awesome. I wanted to talk about that too.
0: So one of the things that I was thinking was sort of trying to Reevaluate what my expectations and standards are that I've set for myself. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've ever really thought about it. Like, you know, think about all the positive and great things that I'm doing as a mum, maybe write them down rather than constantly thinking about all the things that I'm not doing or could be doing better. Yeah. And, you know, also maybe think of some things that me personally as a mum that I could maybe relax on and maybe some things or areas that I could improve on that might make me feel less guilty in certain situations. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Even just like revisiting those values yeah. or revisiting those, you know, certain personal set expectations just to revisit that. It's not going to get rid of it. It's not going to get rid of it, but it might get rid of some part of it. And I think kind of a bit of a conclusion to this discussion is that it's it's going to be there, but it's keeping it at bay that is the key to, to living with it. And we've all got really, really long to-do lists, but yeah. working on letting go of this guilt should definitely be at the top <laughs> of your very long to-do list because it's not a sustainable uh, way to live mentally um, if, if you're experiencing it really, really commonly.
0: Another thing I actually did recently was, because I've spoken a little bit about social media and the impact that that can have, was I actually went on my, I mean, yes, it's my choice to be on social media, but I actually like did a bit of a review of who I was following and kind of thought like... Oh, yeah, this is
1: a really good one. Am I
0: Like, are they bringing me positivity, happiness, growth or joy or are they just causing me to create unhealthy comparisons and negative feelings of guilt and shame towards myself, like particularly as a mother and not... I mean, there was other accounts that I unfollowed that weren't necessarily like mum accounts but... Um, And anything that I didn't feel was kind of doing me good. That's a great tip.
1: Spring clean your Instagram account, And I felt so
0: much better because your feed changes. Yeah, it's like a spring clean.
1: Yeah, but that's such a good point. Like everyone is getting themselves a case of comparisonitis from let's not just point the finger solely at Instagram but let's basically point the finger solely at Instagram because that's where we're all at (laughs) comparing ourselves to others. So, yeah, I love that. That's a great tip. I'm going to do that actually, do a bit of a spring crank. because if you're following people that are, yeah, just showing like, you know, this sort of level of perfection in, in terms of parenting or motherhood and they're just, everybody knows that Instagram's just a highlight reel anyway. But, yeah, if you're not being fueled in a positive way by what you're following, cut that shit out.
0: I mean some beautiful perfect accounts are great because you get inspiration and they make you feel good and it looks and you like that. That's okay. But mm. if it's making you feel mm. shit, go. Goodbye. Mm.
1: Well, I think that's another good point is don't expect to be perfect because being a perfect mum isn't always best for your kids either, like we talked about before, like showing – you know, showing emotions, positive or negative, showing reactions and showing how you deal with them and come back from them and just showing real life is really important for the development and reality for your kids as well. So don't let your mum guilt remove important opportunities to vet, to develop like empathy and understanding because I think that's really important as well to use the opportunities for positive.
0: Absolutely. Oh, I think we've 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 really given mum guilt a good go today and actually yeah. it has actually made me reevaluate and think of some things a little bit differently and i hope this has for everybody who is listening to this episode but now we're going to move on to sharing, sharing is, is caring. caring it's an exciting one today
1: <laughs> yes so for today's sharing is caring we're again bringing it local because if it's not the time in the world to be looking, shopping and supporting local businesses, then I don't know what is. So today we want to highlight and also speak to the beautiful ladies, Jess and Vaughan, who are behind the amazing plant-powered, organic, naturopath-formulated postpartum meals business, Mama Goodness.
0: Pumped to chat to them. You excited? Oh, so excited. And we can both say as happy customers, their food is amazing amazing so we're going to get them
1: on in a sec and have a chat to them but they are based in Melbourne and they are delivering the most just considered and like honestly delicious meal packs and products to your door the concept is postpartum focused but honestly any man woman or child would benefit from and love these meals they're so delicious and nutritious and homemade and just So good.
0: I feel like we could both do with one of these packs now.
1: I know. I know. I'm sort of like visualising all their yummy cookies and treats and lasagnas and, yeah, get me one now. But, yeah, Kate was just saying then that we're both happy customers and we, yeah, we sent, particularly during the different stages of lockdown, we've sent a few packs to some friends of ours, haven't we? Some new mum friends. And it's just such a nice way to send some nourishing love, you know, if you can't go and visit and, and cook something and deliver something yourself. So, yeah, it's an awesome business. Vaughn's a qualified doula and naturopath and Jess is a mother of two and she's a cookbook author and photographer, also with a really big vested interest in nutrition. So I won't speak about them anymore. Let's just get into meeting them. So mama goodness, ladies, here they are.
0: Ladies, hello and welcome. How are you both today? We're good. We're good, thank you. Mm. How are you? Not too bad. A couple of technical difficulties, but other than that, all good. (laughs) we got there in the (laughs) end. Okay, let's jump straight into the world of Mama Goodness. We'd love to hear all about how the Mama Goodness business idea came to life.
2: Totally. So uh, Jess had actually just been back from Berlin and I was here in Melbourne and we shared a few mutual friends and I'd always sort of fangirled her on Instagram. <laughs> oh, so you didn't know each other? No, no, we ah. had mutual friends. Like I grew up on the Sunshine Coast and some people live down here. So, yeah, our, our worlds had kind of crossed but we'd never actually met. And I just said to Jess, do you want to catch up for a smoothie or something? She was quite heavily pregnant with Jude and we hit it off and I was actually a naturopath student at the time. So Jess came in to see me in my student clinic and I gave her a few supplements and herbal tinctures and alongside that I made her a Lao essence which has since kind of been the catalyst for mama goodness it was to support her in the postpartum and her nervous system and yeah she loved it so much that she was like we need to sell this <laughs> So I'd also had the I'd had the idea that when I
3: moved back to Melbourne from Berlin I wanted to start a food delivery service for new mums because I'd had such an incredible, support network after I had my first child and there was a meal roster set up and just getting that food delivered every day was such a load off because even though there was two of us at home, caring for a newborn is so intense. You know, like you can't do anything without the other person being there to help. So, and and I also just loved cooking for new mums. It's so special because it's deeply nourishing comfort food. And that is my jam. Like that is the type of food I love to cook. So. I'd had this idea that once we moved back to Melbourne, I wanted to start a business like that. And in Berlin, there's a lot of, you know, there's a tea for everything. Mm -hmm. If you're sick, you have a tea. And there's a lot of homeopathic medicine as well. And I loved the idea of having naturopathic or homeopathic products and tinctures and things available as well. So then when Vaughan made me Mm Zendrops, which have, as she said, been the catalyst for Mama Goodness. I had this, I remember so vividly the day that I was walking down the street and it was like a smack in the face of you need to do mama goodness with Vaughn. (laughs) And I've always been, I've always been a lone wolf. I do everything on my own. I wrote three, wrote and shot three cookbooks without anyone else, like no stylist, no photographer, no chef to help me, just all me doing everything. Like I'm such
0: a lone wolf. control
3: freak? (laughs) Well, that (laughs) true. But also just like, I'd never felt such a strong urge to
2: collaborate with someone totally and totally we went away actually because being a naturopath and a doula I'd sort of seen and it's very traditional to do one-on-one care as a doula you know you go in and you cook for that mum but there's a business over in America I'm not sure if you know it mother bees and they had an amazing model of delivering postpartum minded food to people so obviously Jess with her history being such an incredible cook and yeah, we just vibe so hard. We went away at the end of, I think it was Well, you,
3: you visited me after I had Jude, oh, yeah, and yeah, you bought me food and cookies, and we chatted. And I told all about this idea that I had, and then, yeah, went away. Like, he hey, went hey. away for Christmas, and then that's when
2: yeah we came
1: back and we were
3: like, we need to do this together.
1: I know.
2: Let's give birth to
3: Mama
1: yeah. <laughs> It Sounds like it's absolutely meant to be. What an incredible brand and concept and product that your forces combined have created. Thank you. (laughs) I so agree with you that homemade food is like the best gift for any new mom or any sort of stage of postpartum. So once you had this awesome idea and your forces did combine, what were the steps that you then took to actually get the business off the ground? Well, yeah. Vaughn
3: had to finish her naturopathy degree first, so that was kind of a priority. And I had a tiny, like I had Jude in October. So um, we started in June having meetings weekly and just sort of like everything from figuring out the menu to figuring out how it would be packaged, spent painstaking amounts of time figuring out our logo because we couldn't afford to hire anyone to do yeah. it for us. We did it all ourselves.
2: Um, we pulled funds and...
3: I spent hours like it was quite people are always like how did you do it but the amount of time I spent breastfeeding you know I had so much time to you know when your baby like of course you want to look your baby in the eyes while they're feeding but then they're just sometimes asleep and the non-stop guzzle that's the time I would use to look up things like what kind of bottles are we going to put our zendrops in where is a sprinter to screen print the bottles what about our bags where are we going to get them Mm -hmm. made and screen printed so all of that stuff happened whilst breastfeeding which was really let's be honest there's a lot of hours that go into breastfeeding
1: so <laughs> plenty of time for both eye contact and research
3: trust me there was also a lot of doom scrolling but um <laughs> you know I tried to <laughs> try to use it <laughs> and then we just sort of set a launch date and yeah. then. Yeah,
2: September, spring, I think it felt like the yeah. right time. We sort of thought, if not now, when?
3: Yeah. And then there was, we were sort of like, oh my God, are we ready? But we just did it. And Bloody Soph from Australian Birth Stories is our hero <laughs> because we sent her a pack and she put it in her stories. And then, boom, like we were making sales. And we were oh like, like, how? Like people are <laughs> giving us their money.
2: Wow. <laughs> you know it was sort of in the early days six packs a week and
3: yeah that's as many because i made the bread then too so that's as many loaves as we could fit in my oven so <laughs> and then my oven broke which was a blessing
2: yeah
3: right because
1: we had to outsource the bread which felt like such a relief mm. but you started with every product like homemade so we
3: made everything and so we would do granola and cookies on the monday and then cook everything else on the tuesday and then deliver on the Tuesday night.
0: You know, there are so many components to running a small business, as you've just both mentioned, and you both are very busy ladies. You have a lot of other things going on in your daily lives as well. So what does like a day in the life of Mama Goodness look like?
2: Oh,
3: I feel like a week in the life would probably be more of an accurate (laughs) description. So Monday's like full-blown admin day. We now have outsourced our baking. So the cookies and granola, we used to make them on a Monday. And now we've outsourced that to a family-owned commercial bakery and it is life-changing because now we actually have time to do the admin on a Monday.
1: Yeah, huge step. Congrats. Thank you. And we've also hired a chef, so I'm no longer cooking. Because you both work and Jess, you're a mum as well, so would you still call this a side hustle, side project or...? It's become it's sort becoming of our yeah, yeah. becoming our main hustle. Yeah, yeah.
2: Now we've now we've freed up. You know, the cookie making and outsourced a bit and got M in our chef. It's really allowed us to. It was this back end stuff that we just didn't have we any had time for.
3: No time to growth because we were just so weighed down by the, you know, constant like yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We were just flogging ourselves. So outsourcing the cookies and granola, hiring a chef, and hiring people to help with deliveries mm. has changed everything for us. Absolutely. What
1: would you say is the hardest or most challenging part of running the business, do you think?
3: Okay, the most challenging is it's the writing back to messages when it's stuff that is really clearly put on our website or that we've answered before in Instagram or it's just like dealing with mm. the, the thing is like we are dealing with the most sleep deprived demographic in the world. So there's a lot of patients involved in you know we know that we need to be patient but sometimes we're just like but the um a really a huge thing this isn't really an answer to your question but the the thing that like is a trigger for me is when people message us asking for the recipe for our cookies (laughs) are you gonna message and ask (laughs) them for the recipe to their teddy bear
1: cookies (laughs) no so true Wow, we're on that can
0: we have the recipe?
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, quick delete the next question
2: (laughs) absolutely i think the most rewarding though is just the texts and emails you get back the people's faces you see at the door when you see a sleep deprived mom or a partner and they don't realize they're getting the order or if they've ordered it for themselves it's just so special the
3: feedback. The feedback the feedback is so incredible it makes all of the blood sweat and tears worth it
1: yeah we were just saying before we press record that Kate and I are both very happy customers and think your product is amazing and we have sent your beautiful packs to new mum friends of ours during lockdowns that we weren't able to go and visit and, and oh, take our I own home cooked meals. You know, so we're you. super grateful for your service they in that
0: loved it.
1: area and they love them, yeah.
0: I actually did one recently. And I forgot to I think. I forgot to put a note, and then I felt like such an idiot because I'm probably one of those annoying customers. I had to message you, being like, "Hey, I put an order in," and I didn't like write a letter to to my friend or say who it was from. Anyway, you guys, it's so It's it All good,
3: <laughs> and she loves the pack. I just also like having to having had two babies myself. When we put together the packs, we really thought about like, what do you want to receive? What is going to make your heart explode with yeah. happiness when you open this gift? And mm-hmm. so that's. It's been put together quite thoughtfully in that regard. We do have a lot of very happy recipients (laughs) when it's it's a gift
1: and when it's not a gift. The way to um, everyone's heart's via their stomach, right, especially a new oh Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Tell us something surprising that's come out of this business.
3: Absolutely, our friendship. Um, I might cry. (laughs) Oh,
2: that's beautiful, guys. That's amazing. So, so you know, you hear all
3: these stories about going to business with friends and how... usually it doesn't work and so I always had this thought like oh it's fine we're not that close like we we hardly knew each other as I said we'd met three times when we decided Mm. to do this and I just thought like it's fine we're not super close so we can just be business partners and things will be great but I have fallen in love with this woman (laughs) she is my everything I spend more time with her than anyone else except my family and I still want more like she's the one who I want to see all the time I never get sick of her. She's just like, she's an angel.
2: Oh, did (laughs) How do I follow that up? (laughs) I just, yeah, like our friendship is hands down the biggest surprise. And it's hilarious because we're quite opposite. Like we're yin-yang. We even, our cycles are the opposite. Like I bleed on the new moon, you bleed on the full moon. When I'm at like my absolute high energetic ovulatory stage, you're having a bit of a slow one, yeah. and vice versa. So we kind of pep one another. We really,
1: yeah. I say opposites attract. That's beautiful to hear. That it sounds like that's what the universe had in mind for you guys. Not only has it brought this amazing business together, but you know, given you an opportunity for a beautiful friendship. It's really cool. Yeah,
2: it makes coming to work every day a pleasure. Oh yeah, especially know? when we weren't paying ourselves. Like
3: <laughs> I remember my mother-in-law saying to me, "Do you wish you'd started? You know, waited a year and started when Jude was in daycare, or you know, waited a little bit." For this reason or that reason, and I just I was like no because oh, no. Vaughn is the go to. Anytime Jude hurts himself, he cries for her. Oh, and we have to Facetime her all the time, and and even my kids even Facetime her when I'm not. I home. know they Facetime me yesterday. So I was
2: cute. just at the supermarket, <laughs> and my like, love it. so cute.
1: I love them. The I'm non non blood auntie Kate and I like each other until we started these podcasts. Now we hate each other. No, <laughs> just joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, we no, don't. Bad. It's actually a hugely deepened our friendship as well. I
2: think Aww. it does. You just sort of go in the trenches with everything. Yeah, and, yeah. You know. And if you
3: can ride the waves together, like some people can't handle the waves, but we can, especially mainly because of Vaughn. She just keeps this constant, steady. Like she lets me be an absolute fruitcake and get so stressed <laughs> and overwhelmed
2: by things, and she just stays calm. I feel like you put a firecracker up my butt sometimes. Oh so. yeah, yeah. That's you true. Know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we do. We definitely don't not fight. Like we're making it sound like we're just like completely lovers. But if we have little tips tips, never, and then we cry and then we hug and then we're like.
3: I just remember the time that Vaughn said, oh, Jessica, it's okay. You've got to break down to break through.
1: (laughs) Words of wisdom right there. Yeah, Yeah, true. (laughs) No, we can relate. We go through it all too.
0: So can we go back and talk a little bit about the fourth trimester? Other than, you know, delivering someone a beautiful mama goodness pack what are some of the key ways that you'd recommend you know new mums can nourish their bodies not only nutritionally but you know physically and mentally as well
2: I think you know uh, this is what I speak to a lot of my clients with as a naturopath it also ties into doula work but people start motherhood and parenthood so depleted you know you've gone through pregnancy you've gone through birth it takes a major toll on your body and Typically in the Western world, especially, you know, getting a cold piece of toast in you by lunchtime is the norm or has been the standard. So you're already so depleted, you've lost blood, you've lost all of these stores, you're breastfeeding and nutritional needs are so high. So really ensuring that not only getting a pack like ours, but making sure that you have really beautiful food or just things, even supplements too, that can really fill those gaps, making sure that you're taking a really good quality sort of practitioner-only iron magnesium for nervous system or your b vitamins b12 omegas you know all of those beautiful nutrients that are so depleted i think it's really important to beforehand and that's something we do as postpartum doulas sit down in a session with our families that we look after and get them to sort of write a pantry list and make a plan for what meals they're going to cook delegate it to friends and family set up a meal train is also really important
3: i was also going to say there's a, there's a little thing going around at the moment on Instagram and I wholeheartedly agree. And it's this idea of when the baby rests, you rest too. Don't clean. Don't feel like you need to clean the house while the baby's sleeping. When the baby sleeps, you need to rest. Like, cause I always feel guilty cleaning when my kids are awake because they want me to play with them. But the, this um, advice is saying that it also shows your child that what it means to keep a tidy home. And how much work goes into keeping a tidy home. And I think it's really, really good. I'm like, okay, rewind. Um, can I do this again? Because <laughs> um, I definitely, you know, you do sometimes rest when your baby is sleeping and or, or they don't let you move. So you're like, okay, this is a forced rest. But there's also a lot of pressure to like sneak away the minute they're asleep and then power clean the house. And I think being more gentle in ourselves and resting when we can is so important. Totally. And also getting sunshine. Like even if it's just, you know, going for a walk around the block or getting some sun on your hands. Like Fresh vitamin food. D is just so important. And also music, like you can be in the biggest funk sometimes and feeling so flat. And part of that could be because you're depleted from all of your essential vitamins and nutrients. But also it's just the monotony of motherhood is so hard. And sometimes you just are in such a like such a grump. You're feeling so flat and the thought of music is like Ugh. But then you put on a song and you have a boogie and
1: you just feel so much better. That's a really good suggestion, actually, Jess, because sometimes you just need that, like either a change of scene or like a change of vibe, you know, music or sunshine or fresh air or just something so simple can really change up your day and in a day like, sorry, in a time of your life like that where you're at home and the monotonous routine of a newborn.
3: And And even when they get older, you know, well, we've been in lockdown and Jude's been at daycare, but Louie's homeschooling and, there are days where in the afternoon I'm like, okay, come on, let's go. We'll go to Darwin Parklands. And he's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then I, t- I tell him it's non-negotiable. And the minute we're there, he's mm. jumping over rocks saying, I love this so much. And it can be hard for adults and for kids to transition into a new space mm. or. It's like a circuit stop. breaker. Yeah, yeah. But then energy. you do it and you just.
0: We actually wagged homeschooling yesterday because it was so sunny. I was like, it's okay. I, she's going to be fine we're not doing it and like my husband didn't do any work we literally all went down like we went for like a walk out in the sunshine so nice like and I felt so much better because I was in a really crap of a mood all week and now I feel yeah like a new person
3: yeah getting out of the house always gets you out of a funk
1: even if it's the last thing you feel like Mm. doing how would you guys define postpartum because we sort of see it as this like very short period of like newborn stage but kate and i talk a lot about this you know more like postnatal depletion topic where you know a year or adding months or even two years down the track sometimes can be the time where you know you're really struggling the most or you really need the most support you know every stage is really different definitely because
3: sometimes it's not until you know you've got your stores up and then it's when your baby hits six months and they're teething and you're not sleeping they might have been a good sleeper until then that's when i remember at six months jude was six months and we were planning mama goodness and i was like i need mama (sighs) goodness right Mm -hmm. now but we always say postpartum is forever
2: absolutely you know that's when the care traditionally ends is most part of in the first 40 days you know there's at the moment especially a huge surge in the first 40 days and making sure you look after yourself in that time but after the first 40 days is when you go and have your midwife session or catch up with your OB or whoever your care model is and they say tick 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 you're all good off you go and you're left at home and a lot of the time partners are back at work exactly you're sleep deprived by that point all the meals have you know stopped arriving and you're left sitting at home alone and that's when I think a lot of emotional and mental health issues can come into play
3: as well. And also people that don't have babies just expect that you can, people don't realise how hard it is to come to the other side of town for a visit. Like you've Mm. got to deal with, it's a full-time job leaving the house with a small human. Totally. Sometimes
1: it takes me longer to get out of the house than I'm actually out of the house for.
3: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, postpartum is definitely forever it's interesting that you mentioned that you feel guilty sometimes when you clean the house because we've been talking all about what we call the dreaded mum guilt in today's episode and yeah you've got two kids as you mentioned Jess comfort us tell us you experience this guilt
3: of course I do constantly and now because my husband and I have done a big switch this year and I'm working more so that he can study so Monday to Thursday I work the longest hours and I still see my kids when I get home but you know, I'm out the door so early. I'm not there for so much of their day and I feel really, really guilty, like unbelievably guilty. And then if I have to do any more, they still get me Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but if I have to do any extra work on those days, I just feel totally. terribly
2: And days when you want to go pick up Louie or whatever yeah. and we yeah. have to be doing something. yeah, you
0: know, that's It's such so a... conflicting too because you're, you're doing it for them at the same time but you're guilt, you feel guilty that you're not with them. Oh, it's mum guilt
3: yeah um so yes i absolutely experience mum guilt it doesn't matter what i do if i play with my kids instead of cleaning the house i feel guilt if i clean the house instead of playing with my kids i feel guilt it doesn't matter what i'm doing i feel guilt
1: yeah it's hard it's exhausting that's why we did an episode on it because um so many people talk about it amongst our circles and just i think mums in general There's not a mumma that i haven't met that hasn't said that they've experienced it so
0: oh ladies thank you so much for giving us your time today It's um, been so lovely to connect with you both. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We could have kept chatting for hours, I reckon. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. (laughs) We'll have
1: to connect again. But, yeah, we know you're very busy, ladies, and good luck with everything. Hope your business keeps succeeding and growing and keep doing the amazing work that you're doing. You're awesome. Thank Thank you for supporting
2: our business, baby, too, as you always
0: have. Love it.
1: We'll stay in touch. Take care, guys.
0: Thanks. Bye. Bye.
1: I love chatting with them weren't they awesome
0: oh my god they were so awesome they were so sweet too and like listening to them talk about how their friendships bloomed yeah they were great to chat to so that my friend is another episode done and dusted get on board with mama goodness everyone yeah thanks for your time love chatting
1: to you darling
0: bye for now bye That's it for today. Make sure you head to incommonprojects.com.au for the show notes. Hit subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on Instagram at Talking in Common. Or you can check out our Facebook page, which is also Talking In Common. Have a lovely day. And as always, thanks for listening.